we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Social conformity is called morality, but if you go into it very deeply, you see that such morality is immoral. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from our archives, representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is morality. Upcoming themes are cause and effect, frustration and gurus. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our updated website at kfoundation.org where you can find a new introduction to Krishnamurti, a growing collection of articles, a new photo gallery, a wide selection of quotes and a new index of topics for easy access to carefully selected texts and recordings. The online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on morality has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Madras, 1971, titled Our Social Morality is Immorality. What is actually happening outwardly? Not only in this country, but all over the world, what actually is taking place? Not the interpretation or the explanation or the causation of what is taking place, but what is actually happening. If a madman were to arrange the affairs of the world, he couldn't do better. Right? That is a simple, obvious fact. Sociologically, economically, culturally, there is disintegration. Politicians have not been able to solve any problem. On the contrary, they are increasing them. Countries are divided, the affluent society and the undeveloped, so-called undeveloped countries, poverty, wars, 
conflict of every kind, no social morality, because what is social morality is immorality, therefore that's gone too. There is no morality. All the religious organizations with their beliefs, with their rituals, with their dogmas are really separating people, which you can see obviously. If you are a Hindu and I am a Muslim, we must be against each other, we may tolerate each other for a few days, but basically, inwardly, we are against each other. So where there is division, there must be conflict. Right? Not only outwardly, but inwardly. You can see exactly what's going on in this unfortunate world. the extraordinary development of technology, social changes, permissiveness, all that is going on. And inwardly we are a mass of contradictions, Please, as I said, do observe yourself, watch yourself, not what the speaker is saying. Listen to what the speaker is saying as a way of observing yourself. Look at yourself as though you are looking at yourself in a mirror. Observe what actually is going on, not what you would like to, like it to be. Actually. And you'll see, don't you, that there is great confusion, contradiction, conflict, great amount of sorrow and the pursuit of pleasure, ideologically as well as sensual, sensuously. There is sorrow, confusion, conflict and occasional flash of <coughs> joy and so on. That is actually what is taking place. <coughs> so our problem is <coughs> can all this be radically changed? Can there be an inward and therefore outward psychological revolution. 
because we cannot possibly go on with our old habits, with our old traditions, with our old capacities of thinking. Our very structure of thought must change. Our very brain cells themselves must undergo a transformation to bring about order, not only within ourselves but outwardly. Now that is what is what we, you and the speaker, are going to share together. Learn together to find out. If a mind that has been put together through time, please do listen to this. The brain cells which have evolved through millennia, centuries upon centuries, put together, which has acquired tremendous knowledge, experience, which has collected great deal of scientific, objective knowledge, Can these brain cells, which are the result of time, which have produced this monstrous world, right? This world of war, injustice, poverty, wars, the appalling misery that's going on in the world, the division of people, racially, culturally, religiously. And all this has been produced by the intellect, by thought. And any reconstruction by thought is still within the same field. I don't know if you see that. First of all, thought <coughs> has produced this division among people for economic, social, cultural reasons, both linguistically and ideologically. Right? Do follow this. It's not very complex. It's very simple. Because of its very simplicity, you will discard it. But if you observe, you will see for yourself very clearly that the intellect, with all its cunning reason, both objective and non-objective, this thought has made, has brought about this condition, this state, 
both inwardly and outwardly. Right? Do we see this together? Your thought, the way you think, the way another thinks, the way you think as a Hindu, as a Buddhist, as a Christian, as a Muslim and communist, God knows what else, you are conditioned by the past and you think along those lines. And that very same thought tries to find a way out of this confusion. Right? And that, con- and that confusion has been created by thought. Is this clear? It is not what I say, what the speaker says, it is what you have discovered for yourself, which is together. Right? Are you going to sleep? Or are you listening with passion to find out? Because we've got to change. We can't go on as we are, lazily satisfied with little things, accepting certain doctrines as truth, believing in something about which you know absolutely nothing. Following somebody, hoping that will lead you to enlightenment, the various gurus with their concentration camps. Now don't laugh, do listen to this. This is so dreadfully serious. And all this has been produced by thought. And thought is the response of memory. <coughs> right? Otherwise, if you had no memory, you couldn't think. Memory is knowledge, gathered experience, and thought is the response of the past, obviously. And we are trying to solve an immense complex problem. of human relationship, in terms of the past, which is thought, right? Do you get this? Are we moving together, or are you still a Hindu? Or a oh God knows what else, all that childishness. So, our question is, if you are at all serious, 
because it's only the serious person that lives. It's only the serious person that can understand totally this whole significance. Not the man who just casually takes interest for a few days and drops it. You are concerned with changing your daily life, not substituting one belief by another belief. We must negate everything that has thought has put together. <coughs> Otherwise you cannot possibly find a new dimension. Are we going together? Are we? Please, don't agree. It's not a matter of agreement or disagreement. It's a matter of perception, seeing actually what is going on. So the question is, thought which has brought about this culture, whether the Hindu, Christian, Communist, what you will, and the thought which is the response of memory, which is knowledge, and that thought which has created such confusion, misery, sorrow in the world, how can that very brain cells themselves which contain the memories undergo radical mutation. The second extract is from the second talk in Madras, 1969, titled Is There Security in Morality? By observing oneself, one can see this phenomenon going on, how the brain cells are conditioned and how they have been conditioned through millennia, through thousands of experiences, through various forms of culture, civilizations. And it is essentially, its structure is essentially based on security. And it must have security, otherwise it can't function like a highly precise med- machine. And 
the brain has sought security in different forms. It has sought security in belief. That's why we all believe in God or in a perfect state or in a marvellous utopia and so on and on and on, in belief. In tradition, when that belief or that tradition is questioned, there is resistance, because you are attacking at the very root of its security. Please do it as we are speaking. Don't just listen to a lot of words that have no meaning, but do it. Look at yourself as we are going along. Then it is fun, then it is, you can learn. And where there is security in things that it considers secure, and that security is questioned, that belief is questioned, then there is fear, and therefore there is resistance. If you are a Hindu or a Muslim or whatever you like, a communist, you are bound to resist. Because you you have taken shelter in that. If you are structure of the family or the social structure of morality morality is questioned, you resist. Don't you? You consider social morality perfectly all right. Because it's highly respectable. And in that morality, the, bra- the, the brain has taken security in a structure which it considers is moral. But that structure is utterly immoral. Social morality is no morality at all. So when you question that morality, because thought, the brain has taken security in it, you resist, and in resistance you divide, and conflict begins. Right? Are you following all this? So we say, one observes that any security, safety, protection, feeling of safety that thought has created and taken shelter in must inevitably create disorder. Right? If the speaker takes security, in the idea of nationality, listen to this carefully, in the idea of nationality, and in that he feels safe. And you, with your nationality, have your safety. 
Therefore, there is division between nationalities. Therefore, conflict. Therefore, war. Right? Not only nationality, economic structure, and so on, so on, so on. So wherever thought takes shelter in and finds security in that, that will inevitably bring about disorder. You take security in a family, don't you? Don't you? Hmm? My family, my house, my children. And what what has that done in the world? Your family and my family. My family opposed to the community, and so on. Division. And observe, in the family itself there is division. The husband and the wife and the children. The husband with his ambitions, greeds, envies, boredom, sexual pleasures, and all the rest of it, and the wife with hers. So the unit which is called the family, which is supposed to be a unit, is broken up in itself. And in that division, thought has taken shelter. And therefore, there is a resistance, there is division between the wife and the husband, the children, and all the rest of it. And that brings about disorder. Are you getting all this? Are we communicating with each other? Or are we going to sleep? Unless you observe this in yourself, actually in yourself, you won't get the beauty of this. So then what is order? We see what security, how security has been brought about by the desire not to be hurt. not to be hurt, and therefore resistance. The resistance takes many, many, many forms – belief, family, ideals, uh, theories, belief in God or belief in non-God, and so on, so on. Because if there is no security, the brain can't function clearly. Though, when you examine what the shelter it has taken in, is illusory. Yet it clings to it, because that's the only thing it knows. And in observing that, one discovers what is order. Right? Order means response, complete, total response. 
I'm going to, we're going to go into it. Doesn't it mean that? Probably not to you. We'll go into it. Order, that is, mathematical order, is only possible when we understand what is disorder, the positive which is order, can only be, can only happen through the negation of disorder, right? Do you understand, sir? Isn't it disorder when the world is divided into nationalities, religious sects, different groups of, with their ideologies, different groups of gurus with their pupils, with their ashramas, which are really concentration camps, uh, and so on and on and on and on. Divisions. Division implies resistance and therefore confusion. Therefore, disorder. You getting this? So, in not putting aside disorder caused by division, you will never find out what is order. Because order is a living thing. And as we said, order is right and total response to any challenge. And that response to the challenge, adequate response to the challenge is not possible if we do not understand disorder. Right? Are we coming with it? Huh? Are we meeting each other? even at least verbally. Because to us, order means discipline. And the very structure of discipline as you have cultivated from thousands is disorder. I'll show you, go into it, you'll see it. Don't accept it, you'll see it. The word discipline means to learn. See the difference? Not to conform, not to accept, not to obey, not to imitate, not to practice, but to learn. Because the learning itself becomes the or- demands order. Right? To learn a language, you must have certain, you must give certain attention to it. 
that very attention brings order in the mind, so that you can learn, right? So, order means the not the order that is categorical, that is um, fixed, immovable, blueprint, and I, a principle, having a principle, a, an objective, an, an end, you think will give you order. On the contrary, it will give you disorder. Because, need I explain it? Oh Lord! See what has happened. Life as we live, that everyday life as we live, has no meaning whatsoever. Right? Going to the office for forty, fifty years, earning a little livelihood, coming back home, quarrelling, sex, and all the rest of it. What? It has no meaning. So, having life have no in itself, as we live, having no meaning, we want an end, a purpose, a goal. The more wonderful it is, the better it is. The more noble and spiritual and garlanded, it's more perfect. That is, the fact is one thing, the what is is one thing, and the goal is another. And you have taken shelter in the goal because you don't understand living, which is what is. So there is a division between what is and what might be, so there is conflict, therefore there is disorder. Right? So when you see that, they see the truth of it, there is order. So the seeing the truth of it is the response to any challenge, right? Because when you see something very clearly, you will respond totally, as you do when you see a danger, a physical danger, you respond instantly. And the instant response is order. Ah, You're getting the beauty of Oh no! So, order means responsibility, right? Not duty. That is, responsibility means to respond totally. And you cannot respond totally, wholly to any challenge if there is a division between you and the thing in which you have taken shelter. 
right? So, order is the basis, the root of security, right? Not disorder. So, morality is order, not developed gradually, but acting, which is seeing and understanding what is disorder. Are you getting it? You know, order means love. You know what that means, that word? (coughs) If you care, for something, you have order. When you plant a tree in the garden, I hope you have, digging deeply, removing the rocks, putting mulch, fresh manure, in it, plant it and take care of it, look after it, water it, protect it. That is order. And which is virtue, therefore love. Therefore, responsibility means something entirely different. Our present responsibility is based on pleasure. No. My family. I am responsible for my family. Are you? which is my family, which gives me pleasure, sexual um, comfort and all the rest of it, the woman or the man. So the responsibility, which has become our morality, is based on pleasure. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Paris, 1965, titled Virtue Has Nothing to Do with Our Social Morality. Our life is pretty shallow, rather empty, dull. 
and the pretty little mind trying to divine the mysterious, the unknowable, obviously creates an image of itself, of its own pettiness. <coughs> and so the question is whether a little mind, the mind that is full of worry, despair, anxious, striving to change itself to be something, that petty little mind, <coughs> can it transform itself and open wide horizons and break through its own limitations. Because unless it does, sanity becomes almost impossible. And sanity is order. not only outwardly, but inwardly, in, inside the skin, as it were. And it matters a great deal how this order is brought about. <coughs> because most of us are very disorderly inwardly. You may have a great deal of knowledge, orderly information, outward clarity, argument, <coughs> purpose. But inwardly most of us are confused in conflict. And that's seen by the clever writers the more they are in contradiction within themselves, the greater the strain and the tension, if they have a gift, produces all kinds of literature. But it is basically a sick mind. And most of us, I'm afraid, are confused. There is no clarity. This clarity can only be discovered not through another, not by following some authority or particular system of thought, ancient or modern. So this clarity can only be found, which is order, and therefore, which is virtue. Because order, in its ultimate, subtle sense, is virtue. Not the morality which society imposes, which is not morality at all. The social morality is immorality. 
because it breeds every form of contradiction, every form of ambition, competition. Society, by its very nature, whether in the communist world or in the Western world, does breed an outward social conformity called morality. But such morality, if one goes into it very deeply, is immoral. But we are talking of a virtue which is nothing whatsoever to do with society and its moralities. Virtue can only come about when there is psychological order within oneself. That is, when we understand the whole social structure, the psychological structure of society of which we are, then in that understanding of that there is order. And therefore that order brings about virtue. And without that virtue, mind cannot possibly have clarity. And therefore, sanity and virtue go together. And I think it's very important to understand this. Because for most of us, virtue is a very tiresome thing, rather silly, old-fashioned. It is without much significance. especially in the modern world. Not that we are advocating immorality or this superficial morality, but we are inquiring together, I hope, into this question of what is true virtue. Because without orderliness, that is, as one keeps a room orderly, tidy, neat, clean, and you do this every day, and so inward order demands much more attention, much more awareness of what is taking place inwardly, being aware of all the thoughts and feelings, the, the open and the hidden secret desires and pursuits. And out of that comes order, which is virtue. 
person enquires into virtue still more. One sage is not a thing that you have it permanently. <coughs> and that's the beauty of virtue. You cannot say, I have learned what it is to be virtuous and it's over. Virtue is not a continuous phenomenon. Virtue, which is order, is from moment to moment. And therefore, there is freedom in virtue and not a revolt. Uh, as we pointed out the other day, Revolt is not freedom. Revolt is still within the pattern of society. And freedom is outside the mold of society. The mold of society is psychological. which is the envy, the greed, the ambition, the various conflicts of which we are. Because we are, we are the society which we have made. And if one is not free from it, there is, can be possibly no order. And so virtue is of the highest importance because it, it brings freedom. And one must be free. That's what most people don't want. They may want political freedom to vote to some po for some politician. But that's not freedom or the nationalistic freedom. But freedom is something entirely different. And as most of us do not want it inwardly, in the deep sense of that word, which implies that we stand completely alone without a guide, without a system, without following, without authority. And that requires enormous order within oneself. Most of us want to lean on somebody. If it's not a person, then it's an idea, a belief, a way of conduct, a pattern set out by the society, by some leader, or by some spiritual person, or by oneself. 
So most of us accept authority. I think here one must be clear that the following of law of a country, of a group or whatever it is, is not the following of authority. What we are talking about as authority is the fear of being alone, of standing on one's own feet. and not looking to anyone for the way of our own life, for our conduct, for inward clarity. Because authority breeds contempt. Authority breeds enmity and the division between man and man. A man who seeks truth has no authority of any kind at any time. And that's one of the most difficult things to grasp and to be free of. Not only in the spiritual Western world, but also in the East. Because we think somebody else will bring about order in our life. A saviour, a master, a, a spiritual teacher and all that business. Which is absolutely absurd. It's only we through our own clarity, investigation, awareness, attention, we begin to learn all about ourselves. And out of that learning, out of that understanding, comes freedom, and therefore order, and therefore virtue. The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk in Bombay, 1981, titled Without Beauty There Is No Morality. I would like to talk about beauty. Not the beauty of a face or the dress or the beauty of a gesture, the beauty that lies in a word. But the beauty of a tree, if you approach it commercially, that you make a profit out of that tree, then you're, you don't see naturally the enormous, the intrinsic essence of the beauty of the tree. 
and we'll consider beauty in a picture. In a painting, in architecture, these marvelous cathedrals, old temples, and the extraordinary silent beauty of a mosque. We pass them by, we never look at them with all our hearts and minds and feel the quality of a tree that is alone in a field. We have lost all that quality of perceiving beauty. We think beauty lies in a statue, in a building, in a woman or in a man. When you look at a mountain in the still sky of an evening, with the light on it, the enormous weight and the grandeur and the solemnity of a mountain, the very beauty of it, the, the magnificent skyline of it and against a clear blue sky, you become utterly silent. All your thoughts and your worries and your problems are driven away for a moment. And you face this and you say how beautiful it is. You do not know if you ever been, seen a mountain or a tree, when you look at the vast expanse of the sea with all its quiet undercurrent, tremendous weight of water and the crashing of a wave against the sands. If you do look, For the moment, you're not there, only the sea, only the tree, only the magnificent mountain and the deep valley with all its shadows. You're not there when you see beauty. I wonder if you understand this. You, with your worries, with your money problems, all of your problems, your wife or your husband, your loneliness, your despair, all that is put aside when you see something magnificent, which indicates there is only beauty and truth and love in you, but your problems are not there. And to act from that sense of beauty, which is morality, 
for us morality is both morals dictated by society by the circumstances in which we live or according to the sanctions edicts of a religious of a religious establishment but there is the sense of beauty in which alone there is morality which is more which is to act which is to behave to conduct oneself without that beauty you have no morality so we must go into this question this evening <clears throat> not only what is the mind or the brain that perceives the enormity of beauty and the true and truth and also morality which is to behave correctly to conduct oneself with dignity with respect to others with homage with sense of right action if we could go into this very carefully perhaps we shall discover for ourselves living in a world that's becoming more and more dangerous more and more ugly destructive degenerating we'll be able to find for ourselves as the sense of great beauty from which alone love good behavior all that comes <clears throat>